Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Okay, how many have been enjoying summer vibes? How many have been enjoying their summer? I have. We just went to, we just got back uh, yesterday from a thing called a live festival. It is essentially a Christian Woodstock. And uh, Nicole started going there when she was about 12 years old. It's been going on for about about 31 years, I believe they said. And uh, so anyway, she's been going since she was a young teenager and went with her uncle Larry who, who founded and ran the barn in Pleasant Hill, the youth ministry there for many, many years. And uh, so he, she would go with them and then eventually uh, her youth group started going and then, then she started going as an adult and she brought me along once we were in high school and, and then um, we started taking teenagers there and I've not been there. We missed a year for our wedding. And then it's, it's been sporadic ever since and I've not been there in probably almost 10 years and, uh, and I'll just say there was a huge seed planted there in my life as a teenager. For the first time in my life, I saw 30,000, 25,000 people worshiping God, no matter what denomination you're from, no matter what theology you might believe about this or that. It was simply worshiping God, Jesus Christ, for being Yahweh, being the King of Kings, and all these people coming together for that. So it was awesome. So let me just give you some advice. If you ever have a chance to see a couple artists, all right, I got, I got a, new, a couple new favorite bands. Okay, Andy Mineo, good stuff. Gets a little hip-hop into your soul, okay? It's fun. Put on a good show. Elevation Worship, let me brag on them for a minute. They did not alter who they were based on being at a music festival. They had a church service, and they ushered in the Holy Spirit, and they, they said, let's go after his presence. And they're doing these things in a Christian festival venue and uh, did not change who they were uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then, let me just tell you, I, I didn't really care for this band, all right? I get kind of sick of K-Love. I'm just going to be real with you. I love K-Love. I love the ministry of K-Love, but they tend to play the same songs over and over. And uh, so King and Country, for King and Country, I was like, eh, you know, whatever. Let me just tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm like a big fan now, okay? They brought it. It was probably the best concert, best show I've ever seen. So if they come close, you need to go see for King and Country. If they end up at Nutter or Hobart or something, good stuff. It was awesome. I, had, I, I was like this little like roadie, like, like had, the, had the video camera out the whole time. The girls, my daughters, the three of them, made it all the way up to the front, to the fence. It's like, you know, pressing through the crowd, and it was awesome. So we got to see Chloe's videos last night, and she's like this to the stage, you know. It was awesome, life-changing for them, but a lot of fun. And uh, so we're going to continue Summer Vibes today. Let me just tell you, this is the most proud I've been of a title in a long time. Campfires and Fireflies. It's got a ring to it, doesn't it? I know we call them lightning bugs in this area, but it didn't sound as good with campfires, So campfires and fireflies, but let me just recap just a few weeks here. We started the launch into the first week of Summer Vibes being the season between holidays, also the season between uh, seed time and harvest, spring and fall. And in this time, we get to learn rest. We get to learn what it is to just receive and what it is to just have our alignment for our assignment, all right? Our first day of existence was God's final day of creation in rest, appreciating being thankful for his finished work. So our first day of existence comes into a place where we actually get to learn and abide with him in thankfulness and rest. 
So then we go to week two, and, and I talked about sailing with Nicole, and we went on a sailboat for the first time this year, and, and I acted like I knew what I was doing. I didn't have a clue. And, and, and a sailboat looks really beautiful on the water. It looks great when it's just sitting there. They're, they're pretty, right? But they're not serving their purpose if their sail's not up and they're being pushed by the wind and propelled to their destiny. Listen, the same word throughout Scripture in the New Testament, the same Greek word pneuma is used for breath, wind, and Holy Spirit. So it's that same, it's that same breath that fills our sails for us to go. It, he convicts us. He fills us up to the point of overflow, all right, manifestations and giftings to propel us forward to actually serve a purpose and a destiny. And also, if you look at the Hebrew word, when, when Jesus, when he says that he breathed the breath of life into Adam's nostrils, that breath also came from the same word that also references Holy Spirit. So it's the breath of the Holy Spirit that propels us and breathes life into us to go to what we're supposed to go to. And then my dad spoke a really fun message uh, on, on destiny and also dreams and passing them on from generation to generation. And then last week, I talked on, on picnics and how Jesus fed 5,000 people from a little kid's lunchbox with, with five loaves and two fish. And how he's not just here to meet our needs, he's here to also meet our wants. He's not here just to take care of our spiritual needs. He's also concerned about our natural and our comfort. He began by healing the sick. As he's healing the sick, he's like, let's not let them go away hungry. He didn't say they were hungry. He said, let's not let them go away hungry. So he provided comfort, and then it was the miracles, it was the signs and wonders, it was the healings that turned a crowd to understand that this has to be the Messiah. This has to be Yahweh. This has to be Jesus, the Messiah, not just a prophet, not just a teacher, but it was these signs and wonders, it was these miracles that turned the hearts to a God who's kind and loving and powerful who still works miracles to this day. So we started getting feedback this week from people who prayed for people and saw healings. There was a lady that was in here first service. She laid hands on somebody for one of the first times with pain, and pain went away like that. It's an amazing thing. My daughter, uh, Evelyn, we've been praying for years. She's seven years old, and she's had a hole in her ear, and she had tubes, and she's had holes and perforations in her ears ever since she was born. And we were praying. She had her final appointment on Thursday to determine when surgery was going to be, and and my, my kids and I... We laid hands on her on Sunday. When we got home, we're like, let's pray for Evelyn. She goes to the doctor this week. So we lay hands on her ears. We're like, Lord, heal her ears. Close them up. Let her not require surgery. So she goes to the, to the doctor on, on Thursday. And, and, and on their way there, you know, they have to take this big detour. They're late because a tire came off of a car from the oncoming uh, traffic, and a tire went into the windshield of a car, killing a driver. This was the day I'm at a funeral for a guy that died unexpectedly and prematurely. So we don't know what tomorrow brings, and and Nicole and I are processing a lot of this, and we're like, listen, we're merely a vapor in the glimpse of eternity here. Guys, this isn't a fear tactic. This isn't a scare tactic. It's, It's we really don't know if this is our last day, and we really don't know if the people around us, if it's their last day. I try to live life without any regrets. I remember when Drew passed away and, and, and a couple years ago, and I had told so many people that week, it just kind of happened, you know, sporadically where I was telling people how amazing Drew was and what a great dad he was and what a great husband he was and how, what a good friend he was. And then I get to his funeral and I realize this thing that I never told him that. Not expecting him to die, but also withholding affirmation, encouragement. Listen, I, I didn't prophesy over him. That he is amazing, and he's going to continue to be amazing. So, so here's the thing. They're on their way there, but when they get there, they put the pressure test on. They look through their scopes and do all this testing, 
And I am so joy-filled to say that Evelyn was totally healed. Absolutely healed. This is the God we serve. He didn't just heal in the Bible, and he didn't just heal with the apostles when they left. Listen, God is not a cessationist. (laughs) He's not a cessationist. He continues to heal. Why? Because the word even confirms that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, and who is to come. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He didn't just stop healing and wanting to meet people's needs when the apostles or he left the earth. He still dwells in the earth, through us, in us, around us. His Holy Spirit dwells here. And let me just tell you, his prayer confirms that he wants his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we get to today and and campfires and fireflies. This is going to be fun. How many like fires? I love fires. I love putting out fires. I love starting some fires. So many different senses. And let me just say, the Lord used fires in the Bible in so many different ways. And I want to just tell you that, that there's something special about a campfire, and there's, there's something special when you come together at a campfire. And, and if you think about it, there's never an outer circle. Listen, in a campfire, we don't build a campfire here and have four rows back, like we do in a church or a stage. No, and all of a sudden, more people start coming, and used to just start making the circle bigger. So there's this campfire that God's inviting you in today, and we're going to talk about the campfire and the fireflies. And, and it's, a, it's, it's this thing where there's no outer circle. You belong in the circle. You belong in that, in that space. Listen, just like David, he was chosen to be king. They get to the house, Jesse's house, and, and, and they're trying to find where David is. And he wasn't at the dinner table. He was out tending to the sheep, and they said, no, there's one more. Where is he? He comes in the house, they make room, he sits at the table. Listen, God is inviting you to the table, he's inviting you to the campfire today, and you have a space there, and guess what? If it's tight, we're going to increase the circle and add a few logs to the fire and make it bigger so we all get the warmth and the goodness. There's something cool about a campfire, it draws you in. It's, it's, this, it's this thing to where, like, it's just mystical, and it's peaceful, and it's adventurous, and there's conversation, and there's intimacy, and there's community in it, Right? I, at the funeral, I, there is, there, I do kind of have a funny story. In the fire industry, mustaches are pretty nostalgic. Mark, this one is for you, buddy. In the old days, they would fight fires without masks. And, and right now, uh, this just means I've been off a few days. Okay, we're not allowed to have any facial hair below our lip because we wear this mask that has a seal. And if it can't seal, we may get smoke in our mask and, and be very dangerous for us. So in the old days, though, they didn't have that breathing apparatus, so they would have these long mustaches. I mean long. And they'd dip them into water before they'd go in the fire, and they'd put the mustache into their mouth, and they'd try to breathe, and it would filter through water, the smoke, and they'd try to go from window to window to window and try to fight these fires or rescue people. So now mustaches have become like this kind of iconic, nostalgic thing in the fire service. And there's a chief to the south of us. He, he looks like a walrus. His, his mustache is just like... It's beautiful. It's good. It's a good one. It's, it's, it's been many years in the making. Lots of wax, lots of, lots of manicuring there. Okay? So, so I get to the funeral, and I, I, I see this guy. And I'm like, oh, he's coming to the car to ask me a question. All of a sudden, my, my eyes lock onto the mustache. And it's like full handlebars curled all the way around multiple times. Waxed pretty. It was beautiful. It was gorgeous. I couldn't take my eyes off of it. He comes up to ask me a question where the church is, where the funeral is going to take place, and I'm starstruck. 
I can't take my eyes off the mustache. So we get to the funeral or the, uh, the funeral at the church, and, and he walks into the room, and, and Amy and Matt and I are standing there, and, and I'm like, look at that mustache. I'm still onto this thing, right? I'm like, look at that beautiful mustache. And I tell Amy, I was like, it's like a campfire. I can't take my eyes off of it. I just couldn't. I was mesmerized. There was something mystical about it, just like a campfire. I just couldn't take my eyes off of it. It was, that man was beautiful. So campfire, it pulls us in. There's something mysterious about it, something peaceful. You begin to watch the logs. You begin to watch the flames. And listen, we were intended to be invited to this campfire where God's inviting us in, even for the fun and adventure of a mustache. Like, there's this fun about it. And, and, and here, here's the thing with it. There's so many times in the Bible that God used a campfire, or used a fire to, to reveal things. Many times he uses it as this place for intimacy or communication or even direction or encounters. If we think about Moses and the burning bush, we think about Gideon. He was at a, he was at a campfire, and an angel showed up to him with direction of how he was going to win the battle on top of the hill with torches and horns and praise. If we think about the day of Pentecost in the upper room, the, the wind came through that we talked about a couple weeks ago, and yet flames of fire rested on their heads. And then, and then we also think about the fiery furnace, you know, and we think about the Israelites who were led by fire by night, cloud by day. Listen, God is in the business of not just meeting your needs, but also meeting your comforts and the desires of your heart as you delight in him. Listen, the Israelites were in a desert, and if we think of a desert, it's very cold at night, very hot during the day. So it wasn't just a source of direction with the fire, it was also a sense of warmth to keep them comfortable. In day, it was also shade to keep them cool during the day, and also direction. Listen, God is consumed by meeting your needs and your comforts and your likes. Like, he loves you so much. So, so as we move into, into this message, you know, he's drawing us in to sit around this, this campfire of community. Listen, from the beginning of time, God never did this alone. He's never done anything alone. He's never been by himself. It was always the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he's also invited us in from the beginning, from near the beginning of time. It says that we were a thought before the foundations of the world, before the foundations of the earth. We were formed. So listen, and then in the word it says, let us make man in our image. So the Holy Spirit, the Father, and the Son said, let us make man in our image so that we can reflect, listen, this is an invitation for participation. It's a community around a campfire where from the beginning of time, God wasn't alone. He desired community until now, even with us, he doesn't want to be alone, and he doesn't want us to be alone. Let me move on here. A lot of times, the only thing that separates us from this campfire, and the only thing that starts to shift us around is smoke. Let me, can I just get a little scientific on you here about fires? Smoke is a, simply a byproduct of incomplete combustion, okay? When there's smoke, it means there's not really fire. When things start to smoke, if you, if you think of those people rubbing the, rubbing the sticks together, all of a sudden it starts to smoke. It's, something's about to happen, but there's not yet fire. That's incomplete combustion. So here's, here's what happens. Sometimes the smoke gets in our eyes and it burns. Sometimes the enemy wants to put scales over our eyes and let us believe lies and even try to push us out of that circle, Listen, have you heard of smoke and mirrors? That literally means deception. Listen, we were never meant to be deceived. We were never meant to, to live in deception or live in these lies. We were meant to be an all-consuming fire with God. He is an all-consuming fire wanting to burn us and, 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 and just fire us from the inside out. 
Listen, when you would offer a sacrifice in the, the, in the tabernacle or in the temple, you would come to this, to this altar and you would put up a, a livestock. You would have gutted it and, and removed its insides. And then you would build a fire on the inside of the carcass. And you would light that fire so that it would burn from the inside out. Listen, God wants you to burn and he wants you to burn bright without ever burning out. And, and, and here's the deal with it. He wants you to burn so strong. Listen, the polish, the cup might look good from the outside. The temple might look good from the outside, but it's rotten on the inside. That's the thing with an encounter. That's the thing with God and Yahweh. He wants you to burn where there's an encounter in the heart. And this 18 inches becomes this, not just a separation, but one where we are transformed by his love, by his power, by his nature, so that now we can actually believe it. The moment you believe in Jesus, you get saved. The moment you realize he believes in you, you get transformed. So all of a sudden, there's this, there's this, what was a separation from our heart and mind become one, and we are burned from the inside out. Let's go to the word. Romans 12, 11 through 13. You can track with me on the screen or open your Bibles or your phones if you prefer that method. Romans 12, 11 through 13 says this, never let the fire in your heart go out. Keep it alive. Serve the Lord. When you hope, be joyful. When you suffer, be patient. When you pray, be faithful. Share with God's people who are in need. Welcome others into your home. Your version may actually say at the end there, welcome others with hospitality. Listen, that in itself is a sign of a transformed life in the Holy Spirit. When we think beyond ourselves, when we think beyond us, and when we think beyond worshiping me, and we start to think about others. Listen, we, we by nature are very selfish. We by nature are, are very into ourselves. We worship us. We're trained to do that. I'm trained as a firefighter to worry about myself. When you get on an airplane, you are trained to put your mask on yourself before anybody else. The Bible even says love yourself before loving others, but it still says love others. It says you love your neighbor as yourself. Listen, you still have to love yourself, and I get that. But you have to move beyond yourself. There's a verse in the Bible that says, be interested in the lives of others. That in itself is a gift from the Holy Spirit of hospitality, a transformed life that's proof that Holy Spirit's working in you, that you're actually going to invite people into your home. You're actually going to invite people to coffee. You're actually going to take a moment for that teller at the counter at the grocery store. Or like Nicole, the people loading your groceries in your car from the click list. Amen. Best five bucks you ever spent, isn't it, Amen. folks? Listen, that's, that's a transformed life. But at the beginning of that verse, it says this, never let the fire in your heart go out. Let, let me go to Deuteronomy 4.24. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. <laughs> He's an all-consuming fire who wants to consume every bit of us. Listen, I want to be so possessed by God that nothing else can possess me. I'm on this, this healthy journey. And it's been fun since January 2nd. I've lost today 46 pounds. I'm down to the lowest weight since our 10-year anniversary and our vow renewals. Yep. Look at this. Here's what I've learned, though. I've learned I have to be careful because I tend to make anything a religion because I begin to worship it more than I'm worshiping Jesus. Food before in an unhealthy way would control my life. I, you would wake up, you'd see an ice cream bowl next to my bed, candy wrappers, a candy bar, like 
can of pop, empty. Like, that was before bed. That was after my dessert, after supper, my midway snack, and that was my midnight snack. Okay, food would literally control me. I would literally, I still kind of do, plan trips around where I'm going to eat. When I go to San Antonio and when we go to Mexico and, and the team that's there, like, I plan our route about where I want to eat from where I saw in diners, drivers, and dives. It's just fun. But here's what I've learned on this side of it. I've not had very much sugar since January 2nd. But if I begin to worship that and I begin to worship the weight loss and I begin to not be able to have ice cream with my kids on occasion, then all of a sudden I'm still worshiping food and it's still controlling me just in the opposite way. And anything I worship becomes an idol and any idol can become a religion. We can't make this a religion. We can't make healthy lifestyles or hobbies or our works or, or, or our spouses a religion. That's one that Nicole and I have really struggled with too is that we begin to love each other almost more than we love God. And we begin to try to meet each other's needs and spend time with each other more than we're spending with the Lord. Like we can't do that. That becomes a religion. That becomes an idol. And he's a jealous God and he, he's an all-consuming fire. He wants to consume every bit of us from the inside out. I'll get into these debates about smoking or tithing and all these things. I was like, just let God work on your heart. The other stuff will come. God does a really good job of convicting where I don't have to tell people how to act. Because if I did, it's going to come from the outside anyway. You're going to do it out of duty versus from the heart out of love. The Bible says, if you love me, then you obey my commands. It's a good verse. Because it has to be rooted in love from the heart. Let's, let's move on. 2 Timothy 1, 6-7 says this. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. Now, listen, this is a scripture we had Evelyn memorize last year because she struggled with fear. Every day she'd go into school, we'd have her say this verse to us. All right? And we remind her when she starts to believe lies or she starts to be afraid of something. She was super scared going into that appointment thinking that she was going to need surgery. And every night last week we would have her read this verse and recite this verse to us. For God does not give us a spirit of fear or timidity or weakness, but power, love, and a sound mind, or some versions say self-discipline. A sound mind. He's given us peace. He's given us wisdom, the gift of wisdom. The Bible says ask for wisdom. It says he'll give you the wisdom of provision. You know that? He doesn't even always promise money. He says he'll give you the wisdom of provision. He'll give you a way to figure it out, and it might require just a little bit of work. Power. So, so here, here we, we moved into this, and I want to just, just focus on that word gift, that gifts, Okay, it comes from the Greek word charis, all right, or charisma. It actually comes from the word literally charisma, which is the root word of charismatic. He's giving you these exciting gifts from the Holy Spirit of grace, of blessing, and thankfulness of what that kind of the root of that word means. He's giving you these exciting gifts, so fan into flame. Now, now, now as, as, as they're writing this, who, who are they writing it to? Us. They're writing to the church. They're writing to, to these people to say, now fan into flame the gifts that are inside you. Now let me just get scientific again. Fire is actually simply a chemical reaction. It's a chain reaction, and it needs three things to really take place. We call this the fire tetra tetrahedron or the fire triangle. It needs a fuel source. It needs oxygen, and it needs an ignition source, okay? 
And, and let me just tell you that the best ignition source you'll ever get to fan in the flame the gifts that are inside you is the ignition of Jesus Christ. An encounter with him in his presence, those, those feelings of comfort, those feelings of peace, those tangible physical encounters, physical things like electricity running through your body, those holy, you know, holy ghost bumps. They're not goose bumps, they're ghost bumps. Those things, these are the wells that go deep inside of me so that when hard times come, when that loneliness comes where I can't feel his presence because of some distraction or the smoke blowing around, all of a sudden I dig from that well to say, wait, I know that God is good and I know he's real and I know he's powerful. And sometimes I do have to live off of yesterday's encounters. I just can't sit there because he's pouring out fresh bread every day. So, so all of a sudden we, we get to this, this place here and, and, and so there's the ignition. Then there's the... The oxygen. And let me tell you, we talked about the wind being the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit wants to blow on you and propel you and fan that flame. So all of a sudden, we get that ignition. God's, his Holy Spirit's blowing through us. And all we need is the fuel source. The fuel source might be worship. It might be getting in our word. It might be laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. It might be fasting. It might be these things that keep us close to the Lord. And it might be the fuel source that's actually commissioning you to go. Sometimes the very best thing for an addict to do is share their story over and over and over. Why? Because it's a testimony of his foretelling and forthtelling. It's, it's, it's what he's done, what he's doing, and what he's going to continue to do. And all of a sudden it's a reminder of who I used to be, and I'm thankful I'm no longer there, but it's also who I'm supposed to be. Let me tell you the best version of, of, of oxygen in a fire I've ever seen in my life. We were having a bonfire with our life group a couple, uh, I think it was last summer. We were having this, this bonfire, and um, somebody had put brush on my fire pit. I don't know who would have done an illegal thing like that, but you're not allowed to burn brush or grass. Somebody just happened to put that on my fire pit. So we're out there trying to catch it on fire. We were not using gasoline. Don't ever do that. I've seen that, the, the, the products of that far too many times. Josh Haas is there. He's like, hey, Aaron, you got a blower? Yeah, I got a blower. What's up, man? Give me a blower. So I get my steel blower out. Commercial grade, by the way. Fire that thing up. I hand it to him. He all of a sudden walks over to the little bit of fire and the smoke that's happening. All of a sudden, sparks are flying everywhere. And this fire is starting to just get some fuel and get some ignition and get some air to it, some oxygen to it. And before you know it, we had a fire. And then it's, it, it'd go down just a little bit. Wah! And everything's going everywhere and firing up. It was the most amazing thing. Sometimes we just need an oxygen to fill our sail to propel us where we're supposed to go and add that fuel to our fire. Sometimes we might need that extra podcast that week or, or that alone time in the car just worshiping him. Listen, it's on us to fan into flames the gifts that are inside of us. We can't expect the preacher to do it for us. Listen, I can't be in the car with you when you're listening to Metallica. I'm going old school a little bit. It's okay. When you should be listening to a little elevation worship. Let's move on. Fireflies. I'm about there, guys. I'm about done. You proud of me? You just don't believe me yet. <laughs> Fireflies. I know we call them lightning bugs, but like I said, just not a good ring with campfires and fireflies. So the girls, we're, we're at a campfire a couple, couple of weeks ago. You can show the picture. 
here we are. And uh, we're, we're, we're there, and they had just caught a bunch of lightning bugs. And um, there's my beautiful girls, a lot of estrogen in my home, and I love them. So cool picture. I'm trying to take this picture, and all of a sudden there was a gap in the smoke to just let me shoot a picture through the fire and smoke. The enemy wants so bad to put smoke in your life and just be smoke and mirrors. When God's calling you to good works and good deeds and encounters with him and a lifestyle with him. And I shoot this picture, but just before this, they were outside and they were catching fireflies and, and they were putting them in this jar. And I'm like, girls, we should probably put a hole in the jar. We should probably like drill some holes in there and, and make sure they can pop some holes in there so they can breathe. No, daddy, we, want, we don't want holes. And mostly Hadassah. She doesn't quite understand. I was like, honey, they're going to die if they don't get some oxygen. So no holes. I get up the next morning, they're on the kitchen counter, and I see like two or three in the bottom that are dead, and I see two or three more that are slowly crawling up, so I take the lid off, you know, let some air get in, close the lid down, the girls wake up, Hadassah, I should probably put some holes in this lid or they're going to die, can I put some holes in it? No, no, daddy, don't, they'll, they'll get out. No, they won't get out. So by evening, they're all dead. This is a message of hope, <laughs> not death. Uh -uh. But a firefly was never meant to be contained in a jar. Let me, let me go to a, a scripture here. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is in a place on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Right? And we, we go to the part that says, hide it under a bushel, no, I'm going to let it shine. You know, we were meant to shine. Jesus is light of the world. He came into this world to be light into the darkness. We, we had become a fallen world. We had become a, a world of darkness. And let me just be honest with you. The issue is not the darkness. The issue is typically a lack of light. Light is meant to penetrate the darkness. The issue in this room right now, if we turn the lights off and turn everything off and all the stage lights, it would be very dark in here. All of a sudden, we flip on one light and everybody can see everything. That's, that's you. Christ in you. He lives in you. The hope of glory. Jesus is the light of the world, and through you, you become the light to everyone around you. You are not meant to, to, to be hidden or, or kept in a home or, or kept in a jar or, or kept in a box, just like Jesus isn't meant to be kept in a box or a jar. we got to let the thing out and let the horses run wild. Listen, Holy Spirit wants to get out of our boxes. Holy Spirit wants to get out of, of the roof that we've put on these places and actually soar and blow winds of fire, winds of the Spirit, winds of refreshing, winds of gifts and manifestations and outpouring on all of us. But we keep him in this little box, sometimes called a church, sometimes called a denomination, sometimes called my comfort. Got to take the lids off. Katie Hetland stayed with us a, a year ago, and she would sing occasionally here while she was here for about a month. And she fell in love walking down the road from our home and looking into the farm fields and looking at the masses of fireflies just lighting up the landscape. And, and she would go there, 9, 9.30 at night, they really start to come out. And then once, just, just as it gets dark, whew, they light the sky. 
And she, was, she loves photography as a hobby, and she was taking these beautiful pictures of it. And, and let me just tell you, you're the fireflies that are in the fields ready to make an impact. Let's go to John. John 4.35 says this. It says, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are ready, already ripe for harvest. The saying, four months between planting and harvest. Listen, Nicole and I were talking this morning. There is a message in the end. And that message is you. That message is summer vibes. That message is, is you don't have to wait for the leaves to change. It might be too late. Listen, Jason wasn't promised another tomorrow, the firefighter that passed away. The guy driving down the road or lady wasn't promised tomorrow. Like, we're literally a vapor. It's, the, the harvest is ready. It's already ripe and ready. There is a message between the seed time and harvest, the first verse we launched the series with. Seed time and harvest. There is a message in the end, and it's you. There was a message in the end from a disconnect from humanity to the Father, and the end was Jesus Christ. He bridged that gap. Today, people around you, you're going to bridge the gap from the secular space to the almighty king of kings. Like, you are the end. He uses you as the end. You, he uses you as your hands, his hands and feet. Like, you become that transition of leading them into an encounter and seeing and letting your light shine before all men, the king of kings and the, the host of hosts, the Lord of lords, the Messiah, and the true light to the entire universe. You're the fireflies that are flying in that field that's ready for harvest it just might look like your workplace. It might look like your home. It might look like that gas station. It might look like that, that, that grocery store. It might look like that restaurant. It might look like that hospital. It might look like walking down the street. It might look like your neighbor. That's the field that's already ripe and ready for harvest. And here are the fireflies being commissioned to go. Listen, I'm messing with you guys. A while ago, I talked about you are the answer and the gift to the world. And you're the, to, to clean up the world around you, start by picking up a piece of trash. And now some of you can't walk by a piece of trash the same ever again. You're welcome. Just like the wind of the Holy Spirit is to propel you to do stuff for others, the same thing, the fire burns inside of you so that people can actually see the light of Jesus in you, through you, and around you. Let, let, me, let me close this out. Fire represents a few things. And, and, and getting back to the word here, fire represents the spirit. Fire represents purification or even refinement. But you know, fire is also, there's a real hell. There's teachings that are going on that there's not a literal real hell. It's becoming somewhat common, actually. I don't know about you, but this is the, the word of God. It's truth. And I read my Bible, and I, I read about the lake of fire, and I read about these things. I had a friend who was a, a devil worshiper, and and I would just ask him these questions. I said, well, do you believe in God then? Do you believe in angels? Do you believe in heaven? And he said, Aaron, if I believe in demons and the devil and hell, I obviously believe in God, angels, and a heaven. So, so listen, there is a true hell. It is a lake of fire. But God. But God. And why he chooses to worship the devil over God, I, I don't know. Why? why? Like, hello? Yeah, gnashing of teeth. Sorrow, crying, yelling, burning in a flame of fire? No thanks. I've got Jesus. I'm going to be on streets of gold burning out Lamborghinis. 
hunting the biggest white-tailed bucks you've ever seen in your life, getting that tar that I lost. That's an animal that I shot and it fell off a cliff. So listen, there is a real hell, but the fire of God that burns in you is so much more powerful than one ounce of energy from the devil. The consuming fire, one drop of Jesus' blood conquered everything, and it's way more powerful than anything the enemy can ever do smoke and mirrors with you with. One encounter in his presence, one moment of him burning from the inside out as an all-consuming fire. Stand with me. I'm going to ask the band to come. You don't have to wait till autumn. You don't have to wait till you see things already dead. You don't have to wait till you, till you see that the, that, that the trees and stuff are already changing. Like, your seed time and harvest is right now. It's right now. Whatever that is in your life, it, it could be the lost people in your life. It could be the lost people in your family. It could be you. The Bible says, as we've said over the last few weeks, he came to seek and save that which was lost. Not just who. That. What's that? That is joy. That is fun. That is peace. That is the fire. Maybe we've lost our fire. A couple years ago, Lave was ministering here, and he asked this question just, he was continuing on, but this, this, this question that he asked and that he posed, time froze for me while I was sitting over there. He said, when did it stop being fun? In that moment, sometimes you don't realize you lose your fire until you, till you step in this place or you, you get in this realm of people around you or, or you, you just, you've had enough. And then all of a sudden you realize you've lost something. And I remember in that moment, I just wept because I realized in that moment in my life, in Christianity and ministry, I had lost my fun. It's like I came up for air and I realized I had lost my fun. Today, I, I pose a question to you. Do you still have the fire that you burned with when you first got saved, when you first encountered his presence, when you were first baptized in his spirit, have, are you still walking with that same fire? Because he's an all-consuming fire. He wants all of us, all the time. I wanna be so possessed by his fire, so possessed by his passion, so possessed by his love that I never shut off. It doesn't mean I can't have fun. It doesn't mean I can't tell jokes and, and drive fast, fun cars. No, it means that I just burn with him with more passion about it. So I want to be so possessed by God, nothing else can come in, no false idols, because he's an all-consuming fire, and he's possessed every bit of me, and I don't have to worry about him being jealous, because he's number one in my life. I want to leave you with this verse, and I want, to, I want us to pray just for one thing. I indeed, this is John speaking here, Matthew 3, 11 and 12. I indeed baptize you with water into repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. A few years ago, we were at youth camp pastor made an invitation for the baptism of fire. Listen, it's in the word. I, I can't even put all the words to what it really is, but it's a promise from God that I will burn. And it's a promise from God that he won't just baptize me in water for repentance. He won't just baptize me in spirit, but he's, he's willing to baptize me in fire. And I remember raising my hands up and saying, I want the baptism of fire. I don't even know what it is, but I want it. 
Why? Because God says I could have it. And all of a sudden, I felt fire come through my hands, shoot all the way through my arms, and hit my heart. And I felt this burning on the inside of my chest that was radical. And I've never been the same since. All of a sudden, electric hit me. I fell to the floor. Listen, I believe that God's wanting to baptize in, in water, spirit, and fire today. I believe he wants to baptize in fire today. Here's the, here's the verse goes on. It says, his winnowing fan in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But he will burn up the chafe with unquenchable fire. Listen, here's what that means. You take wheat, you harvest it, you burn off the chafe, and then you're left with the good stuff. So here's the thing about the baptism of fire. He burns away everything that you don't need in your life. He burns away the waste and the stuff that just needs to be thrown away. It's like burning gold. All of a sudden, you put gold to the fire. All the dirt and the crud that's on it goes away. And then you're left with the pure gold of what God intended you to be, a jewel. Listen, I, I, I'm just going to go after this, and we're going to just invite the Holy Spirit to baptize us in fire. So lift your hands up right now if you want this thing. We can't explain. We don't know exactly what it is. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit for it. Lord, this is your promise in your word that you will baptize in spirit and fire. So Holy Spirit, right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, baptize us in fire. Fresh fire right now. Consume us today with your all-consuming fire. Let fire flow from our heads to our feet, from our fingertips to our hearts. Burn us from the inside out, God. Purify us. Fire. Fire come. Holy Spirit come. We ask for the baptism of fire today. Let us not be the same. Fire our furnaces with your burning love, your burning passion, your power, God. Fire come.
fire is also for others. I'd love to see you just lay a hand on a person next to you and just, just pray for each other. Pray for more fire. More fire. Let us burn. So right now, burn, burn, burn.